Thanks for listening to Parkview on the Go. No matter where you're from, what your story is, or where you are on your spiritual journey, you belong here and we want to help you take a step toward God. If at any point along the way you feel like you want to have a conversation about faith, life, and where God might be leading you next, you can let us know at parkviewchurch.com slash next steps. That's parkviewchurch.com slash next steps. We hope this content encourages you to continue becoming the person God created you to be. Enjoy the service. I see his body breaking. I see his fingers bleed. I see the darkness tremble at the ground below his feet. And in the darkest hours, there on Calvary, he was sweetly broken, broken beautifully, broken beautifully. Come on into the waters. Come let the broken sing Come all your sons and daughters His love changes everything So come when the fear is fighting You're finding the risen King Come on let the light in Your love changes everything
moment. I just wanted to have a little uh, pastor moment. Um, I, uh, first of all, it's free t-shirt weekend, so if you're wondering about this, you showed up, you get a free t-shirt, all right? Free t-shirt, go out and advertise Parkview, big deal, it's back to the church weekend, and uh, you'll figure that out along the way. Uh, you probably did already when you saw the DeLorean coming in out front, but you're going to love today. Uh, really had a lot of fun doing it, um, and uh, we love to have you here. We're, we're glad that you're here at, at all of our campuses. We're glad that you're here online. Um, I, uh, I borrowed my friend's uh, recumbent bike, um, which is, the, you know, the old people bikes, you know, that like... They're like a big wheel backwards, and they have a flag on them so people with real bikes don't run over you. Um, because I'm 60 now, so I figured I might as well just deal with it and ride the old people bike. And I hadn't ridden it, and I was riding on Plank Trail, and I passed a guy in, uh, you know, like shorts, but, but kind of camo gear with a backpack on and a flag sticking out. And I thought, well, well that's interesting, you know, he's, he's weird, you know, I don't, I don't know what this is. And then I pass another guy, and I'm like, okay, no, it's me. i got to figure this out. So I stopped him and asked, and it was a bunch of military guys who were uh, uh, marching for, with backpacks for 20 miles in honor of 9-11. And uh, all of a sudden, man, you know, I mean, it's just like, okay, not weirdo. This is really awesome. And obviously, uh, this is the day, this is the weekend that we want to honor the, the people that, that passed away 20 years ago. Can you believe it? I mean, you know, in things that stick in your mind and things that stick in history, uh, 20 years. So we're going um, gonna, to gonna take a moment of silence to, uh, to think and, and pray uh, for those who gave their lives and also for those who are still on the front lines. And then um, we're going to have you stand um, and recognize you if you are a frontline worker, uh, whatever that looks like. Um, and, and we're going to do that just to kind of, um, you know, say, hey, this was an important part in our history and we will never forget. So let's just take a moment right now in silence and just pray. Lord, when I think of those first responders running up instead of running down, um, it's an example to us of what has always made America great. And, and what makes this country good is based on what you did for us and what was good. And uh, you went to the cross instead of running away. And so I just want to ask a special blessing. I know there are our families, even 20 years later, that are, that are still grieving that, Lord. And I know there are families that are also uh, grieving uh, for other reasons. And today is just a reminder, a stark reminder to us of a day that the world really changed. And obviously, we're living through that as well right now, Lord. So I just want to pray that maybe as we think about what happened um, 20 years ago and, and we think about our country today, that we will just that we will just all stand together and realize that maybe the things that are dividing us aren't really that important. And, and the unity that we found, um, even though some of it was directed weirdly, the unity that we found around being attacked on 9-11 is a unity that our country needs. And I just pray for that. Lord, for the, for the first responders, for the police, fire department people, um, for the hospital people, and, and, and the ones that are always there, that are struggling right now because they're tired and they're struggling right now because some of them want to make a different choice about the vaccines and they don't know what to do and they're struggling right now because it's crazy time. Will you please help them to know that we love them and will you bless them? And we ask these things in your name. Amen. 
If you're a first responder, would you stand up right now and let us recognize you, police department, uh, hospital employees that deal in that, uh, fire department people, any of them here back in the back, we see you. You go ahead and stand up. I know you don't want to take the credit, but thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And all the rest of you, would you please also stand with us? I had a lady at Rooted say, uh, I just invited a friend to come to church a couple of weeks ago. Do we just do movies at this church? He said, <laughs> um, today and then next week, and then we will start a series. I will start a series, What Made Jesus Mad, based on the book that I wrote. We'll take part two and we'll come back together. We are so glad to have you here. Let's worship together.
grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. For I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Hallelujah. Christ is risen from the grave. Hallelujah. Christ is risen from the grave. grateful for that. I'm so grateful for the opportunity that we have to gather together in this place today to hear from you, to experience you, to share in this time with one another. And I pray, God, as we often do, that you would just move in a powerful way, that you would be speaking to us, that you would be revealing truth to us through your word and through the message that we're about to hear. You're an amazing God, and we're so grateful 
for all that we've gotten to sing and experience so far. We just want to commit the rest of this service and the rest of this experience to you in Jesus' powerful name we pray. Amen. Amen. Have a seat, everybody. time machine into a car, why not do it with some style? I came here in a time machine that you invented. That thing he's on. It's a board with wheels. It's an absolute dream. Marty, you interacted with anybody else today besides me? Hey, McFly. What? You're George McFly. Yeah, who are you? Yeah, well, I might have sort of bumped into my parents. Great Scott. According to the flyer, at a precisely 10.04 p.m. this Saturday night, lightning will strike the clock tower into the flux capacitor and sending you back to 1985. Wait a minute. I got a time machine. I got all the time in the world. Come on, come on. Come on, come on, come on! Yes! So today we're going back in time to the 1980s. One of the greatest movies of all time, Back to the Future. Now, you've seen the movie. If you haven't, you need to. Marty McFly, played by Michael J. Fox, and, you know, Dr. Emmett Brown, Doc, played by the amazing Christopher Lloyd. However, obviously there's another megastar in the movie, the DeLorean that Doc Brown hopped up, teched out, and turned into a time machine. Look familiar? I mean, it's so awesome. And a shout out to Tom at DeLoreanRide.com for helping make this happen. Here's some fun facts just before we jump into it. Uh, Johnny Depp, John Cusack, and Charlie Sheen all auditioned for the role of Marty. Can you imagine that? I mean, it should have been Arnold Schwarzenegger. I'll be back. But... I'm glad it turned out the way that it did. And oh, my favorite fun fact, in the early versions of the story, I'm not making this up, the time machine was gonna be a refrigerator. However, uh, wisely, Steven Spielberg stepped in and said, you know, it might not be a good idea to have little kids think they could go into the fridge, close the door, and end up in the future. Good job, Steven. Uh, another one is that the film was rejected 40 different times before it was finally picked up to be made. So guys, if you're still single, 
And finally, the story was inspired by Bob Gale, the writer, uh, because he found his dad's yearbook and he just started wondering, what if I went back to high school with my dad? Would we be friends? And the whole plot kind of delved off of that. So I asked my grandkids if they would be friends with me in school if I went back in time. And here's what they said. Dorothy, what about you? Would you be Papa's friend? Yes. Why? Of course. I love Papa. Now, at first pass, that's what this movie feels about, right? Like time travel. But, but what it would be like in the past is not really the deal, okay? In reality, this movie is about choices. This is why this was one of my favorite at the movies to think about doing, because it's about how our choices and the decisions that we make today affect our future. Oh, and one fun fact I forgot to mention. The entire script of the film was initially mapped out on little sticky notes because the writers knew that Marty would go back in time and that that was one sticky note and that he would come to the future and that was the other sticky note. And what happened in between these two points is what the story is all about. And I got to thinking, you know, that is really the same thing with our lives. So let's get visual with this. On one end of your timeline, you were born. And on the other end, you're gonna meet God, okay? Those are two immutable, unchanging parts of your story. You don't even have to believe that. I'm telling you, you were born and you're gonna meet God, all right? So what happens in between is what matters the most. More about that in just a moment. First, let's join Marty as he meets his good friend, Doc Brown, in the mall parking lot to test the Doc's theory that when his modified DeLorean hits 88 miles an hour, it will become a time machine. This is back to the future. First, you turn the time circuits on. This readout tells you where you're going. This one tells you where you are. This one tells you where you were. You input your destination time on this keypad. Here's a red letter date in the history of science. November 5th, 1955. <clears throat> I, Dr. Emmett Brown, am about to embark on an historic journey. What am I thinking of? I almost forgot to bring extra plutonium. How did I ever expect to get back? One pellet, one trip. I must be out of my mind. What is it, Arnie? They found me. I don't know how, but they found me. Run for it, Marty! Who? Who? Who do you think? yourself. It's all a dream. It's just a very intense dream.
in progress. Re-elect Mayor Red Thomas. Progress is his middle name. Mayor Red Thomas's progress platform means more jobs, better education, bigger civic improvements, and lower taxes. On election day, ask your vote for a proven leader. And with that, Marty finds himself suddenly and accidentally in his hometown back in 1955. Back before there was even a mall, back before he was actually even born, back when his parents were teenagers, right? What could go wrong? Well, it turns out a lot could go wrong. That's because our choices make a direct impact on the future. In fact, oftentimes, you can draw a straight line between your choice and the consequence. Just a quick note, when we talk about consequences, know that what we mean is the outcome, okay? A lot of times, because as parents, we've always said there are going to be consequences, we make it a negative thing, like it's a punishment. But there are good consequences as well, right? My example would be gluten. It became painfully clear to me when I had to quit gluten. And, and I know that may not make sense to you, but for me, it's an inflammatory and it was wrecking my back and making things a lot worse for me. So my doc, well, no, it wasn't really my doc, it was really my administrative assistant and a whole bunch of other people said, hey, you should try not eating gluten. And I'm like, no, no, thank you. I like bread. That's not, you know, that's not gonna happen until it became clear that I needed to try it. And, and I gotta tell you, now I don't go back. One time I went back when Montel Jordan was here and his wife, I took them out to a really nice dinner and I ate a little piece of their carrot cake. And the next morning I was so glad he was preaching and not me because I really literally couldn't move. So I understand the consequences of gluten in my life. Doesn't apply to you, maybe it does, I don't know. But you see what I'm saying. It's all explained in the Bible in the law of sowing and reaping. We read about it in the Bible. Galatians 6, a man reaps what he sows. Whatever, whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Man, I can't tell you how many stories I have of that very thing. Meaning, you eat the wrong thing, you eat the gluten-filled pizza and the cake, your back is going to be sore. You do the right thing and you go for the chicken sandwich without a bun, and I don't know if God blesses it or if it's just the way that it is, but this is how life works, okay? Either way, we reap what we sow. And Marty figures this out really quickly. In our movie, Marty is now 30 years in the past and he accidentally runs into his dad at a diner. And when it sinks in that that is his dad and his dad is only a teenager, Marty makes the mistake of talking to him, totally unaware of the future consequences of his actions. I mean, totally. So he keeps trying to talk to his dad and then he makes the huge, huge mistake of following his dad. Little did he know that that was the moment originally when his dad met his mom, but Marty messed it all up, right? And so his mom, remember, this is back in a time when she's a teenager also, Marty's mom invites Marty to dinner instead of Marty's dad. And um, man, it messes everything up. So Marty's mom obviously doesn't know Marty's her son from the future, and she's a little, I don't know, overly intrigued with Marty. And all the people said, ew, right? But she doesn't know that that's her son from the future. How could she? But Marty's interference in the past events creates this huge problem because now Marty's mom doesn't meet his dad when they originally met, which puts Marty and his older brother and his sister's very existence in jeopardy. Because if Marty's mom and dad don't meet, they won't fall in love, they won't get married, there are no kids, meaning no Marty. All that to say, Marty's in trouble and he doesn't even realize it. But trying to get back to the future, Marty finds Doc Brown, who reintroduces himself, because remember at this point, Doc doesn't know him because Doc doesn't meet Marty for another 30 years or so. I know time travel blows your mind, right? But Doc catches on quickly to the gravity of Marty's situation. Doc? Don't say a word. Doc! I don't want to know your name. I don't want to know anything about you. Listen, Doc. Quiet. Doc. Don't Doc, tell me anything. Doc, Quiet. Quiet. Let's see now. You 
come here from a great distance? Yeah, exactly. Oh, don't tell me! Doc, I'm from the future. I came here in a time machine that you invented. Now, I need your help to get back to the year 1985. Doc, you gotta help me. You were the only one who knows how your time machine works. Okay, all right, I'll prove it to you. Look at my driver's license. Expires 1987. Look at my birthday, for crying out loud. I haven't even been born yet. And look at this picture. It's my brother, my sister, and me. Look at her sweatshirt, Doc. Class of 1984. Pretty mediocre photographic fakery. They cut off your mother's hair. I'm telling the truth, Doc. You gotta believe me. Then tell me, future boy. <laughs> Who's president of the United States in 1985? Ronald Reagan. Ronald Reagan? The actor? <laughs> then who's vice president? Jerry Lewis. I suppose Jane Wyman is a first lady. Whoa, wait, Doc. And Jack Benny is secretary of the treasury. Oh. Doc, you gotta listen to me. I got enough practical jokes for one evening. Good night, future boy. No, wait, Doc. Doc, the, the, the bruise, the bruise in your head. I know how that happened. You told me the whole story. You were standing on your toilet, and you were hanging a clock, and you fell, and you hit your head on the sink. And that's when you came up with the idea for the flux capacitor, which is what makes time travel possible. There's something wrong with the starter, so I hit it. Here. I'm sorry, but I'm afraid you're stuck here. Whoa, whoa, Doc, stuck here? I can't, I can't be stuck here. I got a life in 1985. I got a girl. Is she pretty? Doc, she's beautiful. She's crazy about me. Look at this. Look what she wrote here, Doc. I mean, that says it all. Doc, you're my only hope. Marty, I'm sorry. But the only power source capable of generating 1.21 gigawatts of electricity is a bolt of lightning. What did you say? A bolt of lightning. Unfortunately, you never know when or where it's ever going to strike. We do now. This is it. This is the answer. It says here that a bolt of lightning is going to strike the clock tower precisely 10.04 p.m. next Saturday night. If, if we could somehow harness this lightning, channel it into the flux capacitor, it just might work. Next Saturday night, we're sending you back to the future. So Marty spends the rest of the movie trying to get his mom and dad to meet and fall in love in order to save himself. And boom, there it is. The massive spiritual parallel in this movie. Marty spends the rest of the movie trying to fix his bad mistakes, his bad decisions, to right the wrongs he created in order to save his own life. And I've seen so many people spend the rest of their lives, it's not just a movie, the rest of their lives trying to right the wrongs from their past in an attempt to avoid the final consequences. They have guilt, they have shame, they wake up every day and go out and try to make up for lost time by trying to do good enough, to do good deeds, to hopefully try to make up for the bad that they've done. And it's entertaining in a movie, but it's heartbreaking in real life 
because ultimately we can't undo the past. There is no time machine. So back to the timeline, let's go back, let's add another sticky note right here, okay? So you've got today. Now everything that has happened up until your life, up until this point, we'll add all that stuff in here, right? Um, maybe it's marriage, you went to school, you had kids, whatever, you moved, you, 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 you moved to another state, you joined a group, okay? But we also have some stuff here that makes our timeline complicated because maybe back in here we said yes instead of no. Or, or we gave up too soon, or we got selfish, or we lost our way, like we all do, or you got addicted, or whatever it is. All the good and all the bad and all the challenging, it's all written in our story. Nothing we do will undo what we've done. You can't go back past here. We don't have access to the DeLorean to go back and fix it. Whatever we've done is done, and that's a problem. It's a problem because the Bible tells us that the wages of sin is death, meaning death is the consequence of all the stuff that we've done. There's a straight line there. There are no exceptions. Sin leads to death. And we all have the same problem in our past that we've made stupid mistakes or bad decisions or errors in judgment. They're all sins, whether you wanted to do it or not. They're sins that we've committed, things that we've said, thoughts that were outside of God's standard, things that we were unable to fix, but God can we have a God who has a plan for our lives. Every single person listening to me right now, please hear this. God has a plan and a purpose for your life. And his plan and his purpose is bigger than your past. It's bigger than your bad decisions. It's bigger than your bad mistakes. It's bigger than all the stuff that you messed up in your life. Second Corinthians tells us this. If anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone and the new is here. Listen, God doesn't want to give us a tune-up, you guys. He's not doing a fixer-upper. We're not doing that show. We're not, we're not working on our lives here because the problem for us wasn't that we were bad and that Jesus needed to make us good. The problem was that, listen to this, that we were dead and we needed Jesus to make us alive. I was a dead man walking to an inevitable consequence of my past, even if I live a perfect life from now on. But Jesus changed the script completely around. Two verses later, we read this. God was reconciling the world to himself, bringing back the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. So how does that work? Well, doesn't choice have a consequence? Don't we reap what we sow? How can all of a sudden God say, I'm not going to count your sins against you? How can he say in Romans 8.1, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus? How can that happen? What happened to the penalty for our sins? What happened to the consequences? Isn't there a straight line between our choice, our sins, and the consequences? Doesn't the Bible say that the wages of sin is death? Well, don't, did the consequences just go away? Well, actually, no, the consequences remain, and this is the gospel, okay? The penalty, the punishment for sin is still there, but, and this is why I love being a pastor right here, right now, I get to tell you that this line here gets changed because someone came and paid the penalty for us, and his name was Jesus, and on the cross he paid the price, the penalty, the consequence for your sins and mine. Because the most famous scripture in the Bible says that God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not get the consequences, shall not perish, but have eternal life, okay? God demonstrated his own love for us, the Bible says, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us that while we were still headed towards the consequence, the wrong direction, Jesus came to interrupt the inevitable. He came to purchase for us the forgiveness and the salvation. And everyone who may be struggling today to get past your past, that you wish you could get in the time machine and go back, 
that you could try living in denial if you want to and act like you never sinned or denying that the day of reckoning is coming someday, but that doesn't change the ultimate outcome or the timeline. You can try and try and try to make up for this, but it will never remove your sin because forgiveness is not achieved, it is received. That's how we like to say it around here. And you can receive it today. Here you meet God. This is a wide open road. You can decide today what you want to do to fill in the blank of your life. You can change the direction right now. No, you don't need a DeLorean. You don't need to go back to the past to change that. You need to make a decision right here. You can say, Jesus, I need forgiveness. I need you to change the ultimate consequences for me. I accept you and your gift of salvation. I say this all the time. Jesus brought heaven to earth and earth to heaven. And that's the goal of this church in our lives. And you can make the call today on whether you say yes to Jesus and bring heaven into your life. You may be bringing a mountain of sticky notes from your past to this situation where you're in today. And I know, I get it, we all do. Jesus wants for every one of us to start today with a fresh pack of sticky notes for you to write your days on. And guess what? You're gonna screw some of those up too. But it's okay, because he already paid the price for those as well. Marty's got a mountain of problems himself. He's got to get mom and dad to go to the dance and fall in love because otherwise Marty not, might not get back to the future, right? But, but not just that, but he might not even exist when he gets there. Then on that night, he's got to, at 10.04 p.m., be in the DeLorean going exactly 88 miles an hour at the exact moment when the lightning hits the bell tower. A lot is riding on this night. At the beginning of the movie, Doc was killed by a terrorist, the one he stole the plutonium from. And man, there's so much more going on here. I don't want to explain it all. Just watch it. Doc, about the future. No! Marty! We've already agreed that having information about the future could be extremely dangerous. Even if your intentions are good, it can backfire drastically. Whatever you've got to tell me, I'll find out through the natural course of time. Dear Dr. Brown, on the night that I go back in time, you will be shot by terrorists. Please take whatever precautions are necessary to prevent this terrible disaster. Your friend, Marty. Is there something wrong? No, no. No. Oh, no. Well, look at what we have here. No, no, stand right here with me. Come on. for messing up my hair. Hey, you. Get your hands off. You're asking for it. And now you're going to get it. Stop it! Matthew, you break his arm! Who's in these? Yes, thanks a lot. You're going to break his arm! Leave him alone! Let him go! Let him go! 
Are you okay? Twenty-four. I still got time. Come on, Doc. No, no, not again. I never got a chance to tell you. 
So Marty made it back to the future and he saved Doc's life by giving him a note to warn him. And guess what? God gave us a note too about the future as well. I don't have a flux capacitor. I can't travel through time and see the future, but I do have God's word and in his word, he tells us that at the end of time, at the end of our lives, whatever that is, each one of us is gonna stand before God and give an account of the choices that we made, choices that led to their final consequence. But there is one choice that changes everything. One choice that supersedes all of the bad choices that we've made. One choice that flips the script completely of our lives and that choice is Jesus who paid the penalty for all of our sins so that we could live in heaven for eternity. So that's God's message from the past and for the future for all of us. And if you haven't done it already, I'm asking you today to choose Jesus. He loves you so much that he died in your place. Choose him, it's free. He loved you that much, God loved you that much that he gave his only son and it fixes everything here and it fixes everything here and it fixes everything here. That's the gospel. Let's pray. God, I thank you for the note that you gave us that, 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 that warns us about the future and promises us the future at the same time and, and predicts what happens when we mess up the past like we all have. And, and Lord, as, as I'm thinking about what you did for us, and I know that there are people listening to me right now that they're just not sure where they're at. They're just not sure what's going on. We just help them to know that all they need to do is to, to open up their heart to you and say, not even out loud, just in their hearts, Jesus, I want you to save me. Jesus, I need you. The Bible says whoever confesses him to be Lord will be saved. And that's what we're talking about. We're saying, yes, I need to fix this and yes, I want to go here. And it all happens in a split second. And Lord, many of us are gonna live with the consequences, good and bad, of the decisions that we've made in the past. And many of us are gonna make decisions in the future that are gonna affect more consequences along the way. But the beauty is, not only do we have eternity secure, but we have your spirit living inside of us now to help us on our journey. And that's what we pray for this day. Thank you, and it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, hey, Parkview over here, just so glad that you're here this weekend. If you're online with us, uh, glad that you've been worshiping with us. You know, I wanna go back to just something that Tim had just said when he was talking about the gospel, and he said that it's not something that we achieve, it's something we receive. And I wanna underscore that because I know for a lot of us, we grew up thinking that salvation was all about how hard I could work and that I need to do everything right in order to get right with God. And that's just not true. The beauty of the gospel is that it is a gift. It's this amazing thing that we get to receive. And I know maybe for some of you who heard that message today, you're kind of thinking, okay, now what do I do, right? I, I wanna get close with God. I want Jesus to be a part of my life, but I, I just don't even know how to pray. And folks, it's just so easy. You just say, dear Lord Jesus, I invite you into my life. I confess you as my Lord and Savior. I repent from my sin and invite you to come in. That's all it takes. Hopefully when you came in today, you were able to grab one of these communion packs. Um, we're gonna take communion now. And uh, so I invite you to grab that out. We're just gonna take a minute now just to kind of reflect on all that we've heard, all that we've heard from Tim today. And if today you wanna invite Jesus into your life, now is a great moment to do that. Just say, Jesus, come on in. Let's take a minute now to think of it and consider all that we've heard, and then I'll come back in a moment. We'll take communion together.
You know, the Bible tells us that every time we eat the bread and every time we drink the cup, we are proclaiming the Lord's death until he returns. So let's proclaim and remember together the body of Christ given for you. Take and eat. Now the blood of Christ shed for you. Take and drink. Can we pray together? Father, thank you for the gift of salvation. Thank you that we get to be in a relationship with you. God, help us to not hold on to our past. Father, help us to lean into all that you are, all that you said that you would do in and through us until the day that you come back. Thank you for loving us like you do. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. And everyone said, amen. You know, we've got a great moment here. I want to introduce you to Megan. This is Megan and her mom, Melissa. And, uh, you know, at Parkview, we love it when people take new steps towards God. And Megan is doing that today, uh, here to be baptized. So, uh, Megan, I'm glad you're here. Guys, let's give her a hand, huh? How about that, right? <laughs> you know, I just got to tell you, it's that simple, right? It's just that simple. Uh, if you're here today and you invited Jesus into your life and you'd like to get baptized, we're going to hang out here for a few moments. We'd love for you just to come on up. Uh, but don't forget that Jesus loves you and he's with you as you leave. Why don't we stand up together? Uh, as you do, may the Lord bless you and may he keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may he turn his face towards you and grant you peace this day and forevermore. Amen. Hey, as you leave today, there's a DeLorean. No kidding. There's a DeLorean on the east side of the building. Go check it out. Go get some photos. Have a great weekend. We'll see you next time.